The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of The Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I am your host Rob Goodwin and I am joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris O'Brien, how are you on this fine Monday? Are you, are you okay there buddy? <laughs> You're talking like in a weird flat. Um, I'm okay, but Noah's show broke me. It, it broke me. It broke you to the point and of recreating still... a video about it. I, that's the fastest I've ever made a fucking video. Like, <laughs> it happened on Friday. <laughs> I made. I was going to do it on the Friday, and then I started recording, and it was just like a scream. I was just screaming, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I should leave it a day. <laughs> and then, then, like, wrote it that night, um, recorded it and edited it in one day and threw it up um, for Sunday morning, and... <laughs> um, Keiji Muto's champ voice and then Janakiyama won at the DDT show which I'm more in favour of but weird thing is both of them only just signed like both Akiyama and Muto only just signed at like the recent cyber fight um, at the recent cyber fight event because um, Akiyama was still with All Japan and I guess he's just gone now. I'm kind of sad he's left unceremoniously, but like, <laughs> all Japan's like a distant fourth in Japan right now. Actually, no, Especially even at the that... moment. Okay, I'm trying to think what the top. Like, so like New Japan's obviously one, I and mean, then it's like Dragon Gate's big in Japan right now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, it's always big in Japan, but um, then we have like Stardom, Noah, DDT. So it's not even top five, is it? Oh, I'm trying to think of anything else that would be above it. It's around on the same level of BJW, isn't it? I have no clue what they're actually liking. Someone will probably tell us. Every time we speculate on this, someone always tells us. But yeah, that's a bit sad. How have we talked about, like, <laughs> I've taken us on a ride here, haven't I? I have a feeling that you've been waiting <laughs> for someone to talk to, like, in person about the Keiji Muto victory. Yeah, and like, I, it, yeah, it, it's this is therapy for me because it's not like my brother <laughs> who, who, it's not like my brother who thinks wrestling is stupid is going to walk in and go, hey, so what did you think of the KG Wheel title fight? Like, that's never going to happen. Can you imagine well, if that my... did happen? He that just was... sat down calmly by you and was just like, Chris. I've got complex feelings regarding Keiji Muto's win over Goshi Azaki. My, uh, my, my brother's a simple man. He doesn't have complex, complex feelings, feelings about on many things. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's like, I see a Star War. I like a Star War. That's basically... A Star War? 
He's not a cowboy more than he is a cow doy. Um, <laughs> I've also been watching Glee, which surprised you and then didn't all within the space of half a second. It's one of those um, where you think, Glee? Really? Oh, it's Chris. Oh, uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that that was my entire thought process roller coaster that I went on. But, um, so I'm, I'm on season four. And I'm about to finish it. I'm on the last episode of that. So, but they had a they had a school shooting episode, and it turns out not to be a school shooting. The, the some girl just brought a gun to school, but like dropped it. It was it's stupid. But you know what they called it? Shooting star. <laughs> and like we have one trans woman, and she's like cat. Of course, she catfished someone. It's ridiculous like it's bad it's objectively very bad but i can't turn turn away it's just it's dog shit is what it is but it's 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 captivating dog shit yeah it's like how are they going to be really problematic next and like anyone it's one of those things where someone's going to watch that like some idiot's going to watch that and go oh man that's too woke but it's not it's actually just really problematic it's fucking bad but also it got me through high through high school so Glee got you through high school. Well, it, here's how it used to be. I, I was not a very smart man in high school, so I didn't understand that Glee and the Big Bang Theory were dog shit. So my Friday was... We always had a half day on Friday. Do you have half days down in England? No. Like on... For schools. <laughs> Scotland's better. Anyway, so... Sip of coffee. Um, half day on Friday. We'd get two quid from our folks every day for, to get like, lunch and stuff. But on a Friday, of course, you, you half day, you go back home for lunch. So I got a two quid, got a bottle of Coke, got a nice little bag of sweeties, um, Haribo Star Mix, and um, maybe Aero Bubbles. I'm feeling like a fancy bitch. And sit down, turn on my little ta- tablet that I had, um, sometimes a laptop, and my dad wasn't using it. And I would watch all the wrestling from the Thursday. So that would be Impact, NXT, and Ring of Honor. And then afterwards, um, I would watch um, all the TV from Thursday. So that at the time would be How I Met Your Mother, Glee, and The Big Bang Theory. And then the night would be spent playing games with my friends over Skype. It was a good time, high school, except no, it wasn't. (laughs) Currently, Chris, I'm still trying to sort of get a grip of A, how we got here. (laughs) <laughs> B how you can slag off Big Bang Theory when you watched How I Met Your Mother um, How I Met Your Mother's better than Big Bang Theory right okay it's categorically not Chris um, <laughs> for, for a start for a start if it had finished after six seasons yes I'm with you 100% because oh that last season of How I Met Your Mother was oh dog shit god Oh my god! And it's the same with Big Bang Theory. Especially that last episode. It's the same with Big Bang Bang, Theory. Five. The thing is with Big Bang Theory, they didn't attempt to change the joke, and that's what got bad about it. Because eventually, it just became haha, kooky people doing nerdy things, and it just wasn't funny. And they just didn't seem to like the geek culture we were referencing. It was weird. Um, You know, this reminds me of though. Um, In the Discord after last week's show. Um, I think Velkid laughed because I said something and you didn't engage me. And you said if I engaged um, everything Chris said, um, it would be five hours long. <laughs> Apparently you're right, because how long are we into this podcast now and we haven't talked about stardom once? 
We are seven minutes into this podcast and we have talked about Glee, NXT Impact, Ring of Honor, uh, How I Met Your Mother, um, your job interview, your Keiji Muto video, your... My time in high school. Also, the job interview was before we started recording. Oh, well, everyone who is listening to the podcast, Chris has a job interview tomorrow, probably as you are listening to this. So please wish him luck, give him encouragement. I'm sure he's going to do very well. Would you like to tell the lovely ladies and gentlemen at home what the job is for, or is that going to be saved for when you get the job? I'm, that's going to be, I don't want to say in case I don't get the job. Okay, let's leave it there then, Chris. Let's move on to some actual stardom stuff, since that's what we're here to do. Um, and some seedling. And some seedling, yeah, absolutely. We're branching out in our Joshi. Um, I do just want to say briefly that the Go to Budokan Valentine special shows, which were the Corican shows from the 13th <laughs> and the 14th, um, we aren't going to cover because at the time of recording, there was one match from the 13th up on Stardom World, uh, which was Azumi versus Fury. So the, those two shows will be next week's podcast. And obviously with those two shows being next week's podcast, there's going to be quite a lot of Julia stuff that has been going around Twitter and indeed our Discord that we will be discussing next week. So the big angle that came out of uh, Corican, which I somehow managed to avoid and then saw. It was the most... No, it wasn't on our Discord, because our Discord is really good for putting stuff in the live event stuff. Um, No, I saw it on... I think it was on Google. You know where you get those little cards at the bottom? Um, Oh, don't... Like, I remember a couple of years ago, it was... It must have been a takeover before they became completely dog shit. And I was just about to go to watch wrestling to watch it. And then Google Alert came up telling me the results. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, it, so I now know the main thing coming out of it. So we will be discussing that next week. And I imagine we are going to be talking about that at length next week. But um, this show, we've got some news. Um, we're going to be looking at the shows from the 6th and the 7th, the final two dates of the New Year's Stars Tour. Um, the seedling match um, from the 10th between Sayida, Momo Watanabe, Nei Takahashi, and Arisa Nakajima. And then we're going to look at the show from the 11th of February from KBS Hall. Um, and then we're going to have a look at your questions from our Twitter and our lovely Discord. So let's delve straight in, Chris, and some news regarding the Budokan show. The Budokan show, of course, on the 3rd of March, rapidly approaching. I'm super excited. A um, couple of in- bits of information. Um, at B3RT4, yeah, on uh, Twitter, <laughs> and then it was posted into our Discord afterwards, um, has said that the show itself on the 3rd will be airing live on Samurai TV. Uh, the broadcast is starting at 4pm, Japanese Standard Time, and... That's interesting because the show itself isn't actually scheduled to start until, pardon me, 6 o'clock Japanese Standard Time. Now, it is, you can get Samurai TV in England. Um, There is an app that you can download, which I believe is completely legal, and then you pay a small fee and you can access some of the Japanese channels. So if you want to go and do that, then we actively encourage you to do that. I will be up on World I think so. 
Um, <laughs> I, I imagine it will be on World relatively quickly. They've been pretty good with the big shows in the quick turnaround, so it will be on World, I would have thought, very quickly. Um, Chris, I just wanted to ask you about the broadcast starting at 4 o'clock and the show starting at 6. At B3RT4 has said that he wonders, or they wonder, should I say, whether that is some you know whether that's something that samurai know that we don't so whether we're getting you know some sort of pre-show or not what do you think it wouldn't because if you look at if you look at um when noah stream on a beamer um there's always like an hour of the commentators discussing the show before the show itself so it's yeah. a decent chance that it's just that to be honest yeah and we had that um on the Osaka Dream Cinderella show, didn't we? We had a bit of time where the commentary team were just going through some of the matches. Um, so it, it could just be that. It would be interesting to see if the Rumble takes part or takes place during that time because I think that'd be quite cool to have basically this event is sort of saluting the future of stardom. And I think it'd be quite cool to have the Rumble where you are acknowledging the past 10 years. You know, you look at some of the entrants that have gone through stardom throughout its tenure um tenure and then you've got the future of stardom assuming that saikamatani and yutami is the main event which it should be i think it's quite nice to have that sort of this is the past but we're looking to the future um whether that is or whether it is just a case of you've got the commentary team talking about it i don't know but we will see um i'm sure people will be able to get it via VPN and stuff like that. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about that as the uh, as the time rolls on. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, this podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. It's not. <laughs> Shock VPN. Um, <laughs> speaking of the Rumble, we've had some more participants announced. Um, so we gave you last week um, a rundown of who'd been announced and a little bit of information garnered on some basic research I'd done. Um, I have gone back and watched some Kaguma matches and I'm very excited to see her. She's fantastic. Um, these are the names that have been announced um, this second sort of wave of announcements. I'll just read through all the names and then ask you about it, Chris, and we'll go through some of the more interesting things about them. So you've got Chigusa Nagoya. I hope that's how you say it. Chigusa Nagoya. Uh, Kiyoki Inoue. Inoue? Inoue. Inoue. Uh, Mima Shimoda, Emi Sakura, Hiroyo Matsumoto, Rin Katakura, and Mei Hoshizuki. So from those names, obviously, Emi Sakura we know because of her participation in AEW and her participation in Gato Move. Um, Rin Karakura and Mei Hoshizuki, um, we've seen take part in stardom matches. Rin Karakura has just been announced in the AEW Women's Tournament and was part of that fantastic Marvelous vs. Queen's Quest show back in November, I think, either November or October, uh, as was, was Mei Hoshizuki. It was going into um, Osaka Dream Bar, wasn't it? No, I think it was earlier than that. Was it going May into have... Sendai Cinderella? Because wasn't that where... Yeah, that would make sense. Because um, Meha Shiki, she's running face Azumi at um, Osaka Dream, isn't she? Mm, she's yes. the one who, like, she's the one who drop kicks and then never fucking stops. <laughs> all of the drop kicks, all of the time. Um, so yeah, those three names we are relatively familiar with. Of those other names, Chris, 
do you know them? Do you know anything about them? Anything like that? No, but I'm sure by saying no, I'm going to know about them very quickly. <laughs> to be honest, I'm literally just... I've, this is very basic research. Again, being a relative noob into the Joshi... Uh, into the Joshi fandom, it's it's always interesting to learn more about um, people like this and people from history. So, um, Chigusa, I hope it's Chigusa, I keep saying it wrong, it is, Chigusa Nagoyo, um, huge fanfare around her and Kyoko Inoue because they were huge in, like, all Japan, women's and places like that. Um, Inoue especially is so decorated. The title she's won is unreal like on cage match it's like an entire page it's unreal how many titles she's won same with Nagoya um she's wrestled in all Japan women's she's wrestled most recently in marvelous um held multiple titles across multiple promotions same with the new way she's wrestled in DDT Diana um all Japan women's champion or Pacific champion um she has wrestled in stardom as part of that uh, battle royal from no people gate and she has wrestled in seedling as well, uh, Mima Shimoda uh, is part of CMLL. She's wrestled in Diana as well. The one that I'm most interested in is Matsumoto, who has wrestled once in Stardom, and that was as part of Kagetsu's Gauntlet on the 15th <laughs> of February, which is is quite interesting. Um, I pick but, up that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did I. It was in the early days, the infancy of this podcast. Um, and she's wrestled most recently for Sendai Girls and Oz Academy. Um, but yeah, big names being put into this rumble. And I know you said last time, Chris, that let's be honest, it's a rumble. There's a ceiling on what is going to happen. But it's it's always nice to see these little nods to Stardom's history and nod to Joshi Wrestling's mm. history because I I do know very very little about wider Joshi history and it's something that I've always been quite interested in learning more about. And these you know these names coming up are. Certainly a way for me to get into that. Let's move on then from the Rumble. Um, it's been announced, I don't know whether it was announced today or yesterday, but it's come to light that um, the Hanakamura um, tribute show that is being arranged by a mum, Kyoko Kimura, um, will be on the 23rd of May, which is the anniversary of her death. Um, it will be at Corican Hall. And this is what she put out on Twitter. Um, the official homepage and ticket sales will be scheduled from the end of February. Um, she will be the organiser, so it's not a stardom branded show, um, but she has received a lot of cooperation. That's all we've got so far. But you imagine, Chris, and we talked a little bit about this before we came on air, you imagine that stardom are going to have a big big participation in that show i mean her best friends her closest friends were part of that company it's where as you said she gained most of her sort of what's the word i'm looking for her notoriety yeah exactly so it would certainly make sense for stardom to be prevalent on that card wouldn't it yeah um i don't because whether she's not been a year she's wrestled where she hasn't wrestled in Start with the exception of 2005. Weird. How old would she have been in 2005? How she's same age as me, I think. How old was I in 2005? Eight. God damn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she. Oh, she won the. I forgot. She won the DDT Iron Man heavy metal title. Was that in 2005? Yeah. Oh, there you that's go. The, that's the 24 hour one where it's 
continuously on book. One that's been held by most recently by Young Book's book. I do remember. I, they've held it for sixty-one days. God's sake. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to some PDT. of. I would fucking not. You are incorrect. <laughs> Let's look on then at some of the stardom wrestling that's been taking place over the last couple of weeks. We start with the New Year's Stars show from the 6th of February, night 7 of the New Year's Stars tour from Shinjuku Face in front of 216 people. Uh, first things first, I'm just going to run through a couple of results. Um, the first match... Uh, Starlight Kid defeated Ruaka at 8 minutes and 15 seconds, debuting the Texas Cloverleaf as a finish, and it looked brutal, and I loved it. It really plays into this, like, harder-edged Starlight Kid that we've seen, which she'd then go on and play, you know, that promo she does with Julia, I think it's at the end of this show. Um, Brilliant, really... She's not even bratty anymore. She's just, you know, she's confident, and I love it. And, you know... We've talked for a while about her needing a an impact finisher or a brutal finisher. And I think this could be it because she locked in really, really well here. Um, and then match two, Saeeda defeated Lady C at 7 minutes and 13 seconds with the Northern Lights suplex. I don't know if you watched this next match, Chris. Um, match three, Mayweather Watani defeated Goki and Death and Tam Nakano at 5 minutes and 48 seconds with the jackknife. Did you watch this? I really wanted Death to win just to hear you have a fucking meltdown. Honestly, I found this match really entertaining and Goki and Death was a huge part of it. And it this match genuinely made me belly laugh. She was trying to outsmart Mayu and just three times she did the same thing and you watch Mayu fall for it. And then the, I think it was the fourth time she tried it. Mayu just stood there and looked at her as though to go, what are you doing? We're on the same team. What are you doing? Um... But yeah, it was it was great. It had all this comedy whilst you still had the simmering undercurrent of the tension between Mayu and Tam. So that ran adjacent to it. It wasn't forgotten because it was more of a comedy match. Um, but yeah, it was actually really, really quite fun. I gave it two and three quarter stars. I uh, I enjoyed it hugely. Plus Mayu won, you know, which yes, I would have been very angry if uh, if she'd have uh, if Goku and Death had won. Anyway, let's move on to the first match that I know we've both seen. Uh, and it was the tag team match, match four, uh, a Queen's Quest tag team match with the team of Azumi and Yutami and the team of Sai Kamatani and Momo Watanabe playing out a time limit draw at 15 minutes. Uh, Chris, what do you think of this match? Um, It was really good, really fast-paced. You were never going to have like an actual finish here because it's an interfaction match with... No one who can really eat a ping going into Budokan. Um, I did like a lot of the spots between Utami and Saya. It made me both worried and excited for their match because the um, sequences they had were really good. But I don't want them to just repeat them again at Budokan, which is a worry. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. But over the next couple of shows, we see Saya Kamatani debut more and more moves, and she's promised that more and more moves will be debuted. I know she debuts another one at Corican, which we'll talk about next week. But, you know, just over the last couple of shows, she's debuted the Phoenix Splash, she's debuted the Star Crusher, which, by the um, way, that is an absolutely fantastic finish. I love um, that. She, 
She did a Topecon Hilo and almost fucking killed her. Which I was going to talk about. That Topecon Hero, the no-touch Topecon Hero, which is fucking difficult to do in this venue as well. You know, Shinjuku Face is a small venue and there is not a lot of room between the apron and the crowd. And she went for it. She was like, oh my God, she'd... Oh, oh, oh shit! (laughs) But she hit it perfectly. It It was really, really good. Fair play to her. It reminded me of an ICW show I went to in Edinburgh. It was in this like little club next to the student union. And um, the ceilings were really low, and the lights were almost touching the wrestlers when we went to the top rope. And Wolfgang went for his fucking um, senton, and people were like, no, don't, you're going to fucking die. Oh, God. It was, it was like, it's too fair. It's not worse thing than that thing. I'd glass almost fly at me in a death match. But yeah, in terms of this match, I did. It, that, I was really surprised with Topeka on Hilo. Um, Azumi continues to be low-key, one of the smoothest people in all of Stardom. Completely agree. Completely like, agree. She, it's mad how she can go from a... Like, normally when people do, like, a head scissors into a armbar, it feels so choreographed. And Azumi, I think it might be because of her size. Like, if... Yeah. Like, I I know, it feels more natural for her to be running around people. Um, I do like... Saya hitting the um the Star Crusher. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I do like a hit in the Star Crusher right at the end. Like going, oh, I had you. That's a good way to go into um Budokan without actually hurting anyone. So I, I, I did enjoy this match. Like in terms of like interfaction matches, Queen's Quest are probably best at it. Oh god, yeah. They they yeah, haven't just... put on a bad interfaction match. Yeah, even in like the five star, they all worked well with each other. So, um, they're really good with with each other. So, this was always going to be really good. And yeah, I'm not mad at this draw either because it makes sense. This also comes into spoilers of DQ we had later in the um next show. So, yeah, I did I did really like this one. I give it three and three quarter. I give it four stars. I actually oh. enjoyed this more than their match at Corican uh, New Landscape, where they were battling for the Goddess of Stardom tag belts. I felt like that was brilliant, and you know, there's only a quarter of star difference, but I felt that was a bit flat compared to this. And for this, there was a little bit more story. You know, you got the whole Utami versus Sayakamatani thing. You got the innovation between Azumi and Utami. You know, there was there was a lariat into a destroyer which was fucking great. And then there was a sunset flip into a bridging German. Everything was so smooth. There was a couple of maybe rough exchanges right at the start of the match. Um, But Saya just built and built and built and grew into this match. And she continues to evolve. And I think that's a huge thing. Like you say, that ending with the Star Crusher, just as the time expires, you know, no one has kicked out of the Star Crusher yet. It's, you know, it is being billed as a destructive move. And she has got that little leg up on Utami now, which, let's be honest, she hasn't, she hadn't got up until this point. Um, there's going to be a four-way, or there has been a four-way at Corican, so that all builds towards this, which I'm very, very excited about. Just before we move on, Chris, there was a question on Twitter in regard to that Topecon hero. Um, at Matt B425 or B425, 
uh, has asked on Twitter, is there a female wrestler to ever consistently do over-the-top suicide dives? Seems nuts that Saya even attempted it considering the explosive strength it takes to clear the top rope, not get your toe snagged, and then get enough air to either land on your feet or do a flip. Um... To my mind, I'm sure there'll be someone on Twitter or Discord. There'll be someone, definitely. There'll be someone. Like, I can't see it not happening at this point. No one comes to mind, but I, I'm i sure if I sat down and thought about it, I could think of someone. It's a bit like, just because most people, um, most um, women who end up wrestling aren't tall enough to do it, and the ones who are tall enough don't tend to have that kind of offense. So it is rare, I, I think, but... It's definitely happened before. I'm sure it happened like all Japan women, because they did fucking everything. To be honest as well, if you just consider it if you just consider stardom, I can't think of mm-hmm. anyone on the roster, current stardom roster, that would do it. Um, apart from Sai, yeah. Like, apart from Sai. The only one and I'm, I'm pretty sure May um May would do it, but like she has no regard for her own body or anyone else's. Um Shiri could possibly do it. Not Shiri. Um, Julia. Why did I say Shiri? Julia could possibly do it. She's athletic enough and tall enough, but like, it's not really her kind of moveset, is it? No, it, it sort of goes against her character, especially at the moment. See, we're going to be surprised. Mina Shirakawa is going to come back and suddenly she's going to be <laughs> acting like fucking 2005 Jack Evans. Well, that, I'm, that brings us into the next match in a moment. Um, which, going back to the question, I mean, you've got Sai Kamatani doing this. She's the only one at the moment mm-hmm. who's doing this. I'm sure oh, someone will... Oh, stand out. Yeah, like, because we don't really have like we have fast workers, but we don't really have high flyers. Well, in stardom, th- this is the same person over get who's doing the Phoenix Splash, which is an incredibly mm-hmm. difficult move to master. Exactly. So, like, she's incredibly athletic, which does help her stand out. Like, everyone's athletic, but like, no one's doing flips. So, like, this would be a nice little niche for her. Yeah, like absolutely. she could be like the flyer. And if she's continually breaking these moves out, you know, it does build her credibility as we go on towards Budokan for this Red Belt Challenge because she is having to prove herself because there are so many people who think she shouldn't be in the main event. So this constant reinvention, this constant innovation, it's only going to help, isn't it? It's only going to help Sayakamitani's stock as we move forward. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm happy with how this match moves everything forward. Apart from that, like, it's basically impossible to build up both Azumi and Momo's feuds going into um the show when their opponents aren't on Stardom's payroll. Yeah, Mayu and Momo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, also, doesn't Azumi have one coming? Never mind. Let's move on. Yeah, with Natsupoi. Oh no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm mistaking Azumi with Saya. Sorry, <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. I'm, I'm stupid. All right, moving on, moving on, moving that on. That does make some more sense. Um, so we move on to match five, which was the first of Yunagi Sayaka's seven match trial series, with Julia defeating Yunagi at 13 minutes and 59 seconds with the sleeper hold. Um, Chris, I've got yes. lots of things to say about this match. I would like to hear what you have to say first. Off you go. Um, I liked it. It was a lot of the same kind of things as we saw in the tag match. Um, especially with Julia essentially playing with her food. Um, except um, Inagi, of course, got a couple more host spots in because that's how story progression works. But otherwise, it's kind of just a singles version of that tag match from um, the last show, I think. 
it's still really good. It's probably one of the better sh- matches of anything on this card. I, I think Inagi's showing himself to be a decent storyteller. Um, still has a tiny bit of problem with bomb, not really having any bombs to throw, especially becomes apparent against Julia, whose whole moveset is basically bombs. But yeah, yeah I, I honestly, I it was really good. On, um, if you'd have told me Julia would be having this kind of match with a rookie a year ago, I wouldn't have believed you. This is proper good. I loved and. I'm really sorry. I think it's Valkage in our Discord drew the parallel um, and actually posted some footage of Julia's own trial match against Aja Kong in Oz Academy back in 2018 from the same venue. And you've got Julia throwing drop kick after drop kick after drop kick, and Aja Kong literally just standing there and giving her nothing. And it's quite interesting to see that, and then have a look at this match where Julia gives you Nagi absolutely nothing and i know that's not to everyone's taste i know there are some very vocal fans out there that it is not to their taste however i think it works perfectly and i'm going to be sort of talking about this as we talk about this and her next match against azumi um but julia hit the nail on the head with this on in her opening promo where she says what on earth is unagi actually going to have learned in a week since i beat her last and Mm -hmm. i think that that sort of tells us why the match was so similar to the tag match because mm-hmm. there's been a week past you know julia eviscerated and embarrassed yunagi you know she's going to want to prove herself but she's not going to have suddenly developed a way of kicking out of julia's finish of striking her down of course she's not she's a rookie and she is treated as such by julia who has got this complete disdain for her. not just the disdain for her but a disdain for tam who, you know, beating her pupil up in front of her, what better way to build heat with Tam than to literally beat the shit out of Yunagi in front of Tam? Mm-hmm. With um, When it comes to the no-selling, it can't, it's one of those things where you do just need to be cool enough to pull it off. Like, you think of some of, like, the most notorious... Like, for example, um, going back to All Japan Women's in the 90s, um, you've probably seen this gif of Bonacano being uh, completely walloped with kendo sticks and just standing there and taking it. Yeah. Like, and then no one complains because Aja can't, uh, no, because Bonacano's fucking awesome and <laughs> you're not going to complain. The same when like Brock Lesnar just sort of stumbles for a chair shot. You just sort of need, to, it just sort of needs to be in the right context. And within the context of this story, I think it worked. Julia doesn't always do stuff like this. Like, a lot of the time, she bumps for people hard. Like, she tries hard with her opponents. This is just her acting a certain way to serve the story being told. So I have no problem with the no-selling here. I don't. At all. And there's a reason like, as to why, as well. Go on, yeah, carry on. It's not, like she, it's not like she's, like, no... It's like, this is, like, just obviously the story being told. It's not like... Um, she's just no selling to make like deliberately. It's not a shoot, is what I'm saying. She's not no selling deliberately to make Nagi look bad. This series is meant to show Nagi slow, um, slowly getting better throughout it. And with the two matches we've had so far, it has exactly. So and you, we talked about how these matches are. Let's let's be honest; they're almost carbon copies. I mean, even the finish is the same. But mm. you, Nagi, still doesn't go to pieces as easily as she did in that tag match. And she did get in mm-hmm. slightly more offense. And you listen to the crowd reaction in both nights, uh, on the 11th against Azumi and here against Julia. The crowd are getting behind it. Julia gets nothing out of this. Azumi gets nothing out of this. Mayu gets nothing out of this trial series. 
okay? Unagi, whatever they do is getting Unagi over. That is the point. And, you know, in regard to what you said about the no-selling, I've seen, like I say, negativity surrounding Julia's treatment of Unagi, but ultimately, each of the seven matches is going to offer something different. Julia wants to humiliate Unagi, both because maybe she was humiliated as that rookie, and she sees this as penance for that, um, but also she wants to do it in a way to get to Tam, humbling her student in front of her, showing that she can't teach. Azumi and Mayu aren't going to do that in that way. There's different stories going in. I mean, doing this does massive, just massive wonders for Unagi, as the crowd are audibly behind her during this match. But, you know, despite having been built up as this baby face and getting that crowd fire, she's still finished off by Julia with what is not even one of her finishers. And I think that's really important. Yes, you've got your baby mm-hmm. face heat, but remember your place on the roster. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, really, really no, important. No, I think because um, even... I've, I've talked about this before, but the... But it's arc maintenance, these singles matches. Like, the Unagi, even this Unagi series, is basically just helping establish that stardom tier list. Yeah. So, that that does this perfectly. Unagi's nowhere near Julia's level. Julia's for one of the main champions. And, and like, course... there's, there's, time for, there's time for Unagi. They're building her up right now. Like, everyone has eaten a ton of... This isn't, like... Um, Osprey losing at Rattle Kingdom, where that was legitimately a bad decision. You know, like he's meant to be looking weak here. That's her story. Absolutely, the whole point of it. If she comes out and beats Julia, what's the fucking point in the rest of the match? Yeah, like she's she's not going to come out and fucking Goldberg <laughs> Julia. It's not going to be like <laughs> runs through her. Absolutely runs yeah. through her. Um... To be fair, I thought that was going to happen with Yoshiyuki and um. What's his name? I'm talking Maccabee in last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it didn't. And it honestly it was a bit disappointing. But yeah, Unagi's not going to do that. Maybe Mina. Um, but yeah, this was great. I I think I'd like this match a bit more. I'd like, not that I didn't like it, but I'd like it more if they didn't have that tag match and if they did play the same chemistry and nothing was gained by having both. No, no, absolutely. Um, I thought the tag match, I, I really enjoyed the tag match. So I think that. I think that came over in the last podcast. This was a great instalment. It's great storytelling. Um, I gave it three and a half stars, Chris. What about you? I gave it three and a quarter. I did really like it. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the golden smoking pipe she's got? Um, according to at 1222 Dragon Moon, any translation I do are via them. Please go and follow them. Their account is great for anything related to Stardom, so please go and check that out. But apparently the smoking pipe is in tribute to her favourite samurai, Keiji Maeda. So there you go. The more you know. I, I, it's kind of cool to have a favourite samurai. It is. I don't, it is. I, I, if I said my favourite samurai, it's going to be one of the fucking Ninja Storm Power Rangers. It's going to be like <laughs> the green samurai ranger from Power Rangers Ninja Storm. And like, that's just not cool. You can't walk into a room and go, I'm a big fan of Power Rangers and expect people to take you seriously. <laughs> um, match six then, the main event of this show. Um, I meant to say this earlier before, before I go into the result. The lighting on this show was abysmal. Uh, it wasn't the best. No, it was quite dark, wasn't it? It went from being so, so dark to being instantly too bright. And actually, it fucked with the focus of loads of the cameras because obviously 
the the spotlights were behind um so right in front of the cameras on the hard cam side so every time the lights came on it fucked with the focus of the camera but it, it was just so dark i don't think i've ever like they've had shows at we've shinjuku so face before in... i've never noticed yeah. it be that dark before ever no, and like, I, if it was like, like when we had uh, imagine that weird venue in, I forgot where it was. Like, I kind of understood why the lighting was a bit weird. I don't see how here, because how many times have they run Shinjuku Face? It's a fairly common venue for them. Well, not common, but like, it's not an uncommon place for them to run. They've run it before, and Shinjuku Face has held loads of wrestling shows this year alone. So it's it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, because um, DDT had a show there, and it, what, right, they didn't have bad lighting. But again, DDT, I think a bit better on the production side. But still, you know what I mean? It's weird. Did mean to say, and I, I did forget actually to uh, to mention this. I was going to lump this all together on the seventh, but I am going to talk about it now. Um, obviously, after this Unagi match, um, which it's important to say, Unagi doesn't tap out. No, it's she, t- it's referee's it's decision. decision. So yeah. it is important to say that you know she. Got her ass handed to her again by Julia, but she still hasn't given up, and that's a really key point. Um, but post-match, Tam enters the ring and basically wants a singles match. Julia puts forward that her hair be put up as a wager for the white belt at Budokan. Um, we'll talk more about that, Chris, on the 7th, because that's when it gets made official. I'll get your thoughts and everything on it there. Um, main event of this show was Stardom's new kink, which apparently is elimination matches, uh, four-on-four elimination match with the Oida Tai team of B Priestley, Konami, Natsukatora, and Saki Kashima defeating the Oida Tai team of, sorry, the Oida Tai team, the Donadon Mondo team of Himika, Mika, Natsupoi, and Siori at 14.37 with Saki Kashima getting the final elimination of Natsupoi with the Kishikasai. Um, do you know what? I really enjoyed this. It was a really fun instalment of the elimination match saga we're currently in. Um, yeah, I thoroughly um, enjoyed it. Better, it's much better than the last elimination match they had, like between just these two teams, because the pacing was better. Like there were still eliminations quite close to each other, but they were more spaced out. It's you weren't waiting until like two minutes before the match ends to eliminate everyone. Yeah, um, the I pacing also, was far better. I also like Vasaki gets the last um, elimination because. What well, well, also like is the weather tie doing really well in these kind of matches because it's more chaotic. Like, so it just suits them. I, I do like that. I do like that little attention to detail there. Mm, like, the more, like, they don't do as well in traditional matches, but then in these more chaotic matches, unless apparently it's for a fucking title, um, <laughs> they do quite well. I do enjoy that. And I don't, no one looked bad here. Everyone looked good, even though, like, Maiku was just going for the championship and we were fir- she was first eliminated. She still didn't look bad being eliminated um they got um ddm got a nice little heat bit because they were behind going into after a couple of eliminations and then they got it back classic like classic stuff but the classics work so i loved and we seem to be going towards konami and Siori, um which mm. would be tremendous so assuming yeah, that Siori puts away azumi at the korokan shows mm. again i've Managed to avoid the vast majority of spoilers until we can do the podcast. Um, that seems to be where we're going, and I love that 
pupil-teacher relationship that they have and how it's permeating into the matches. There was a great moment, and it's the most subtle thing, but it was amazing. We had Konami going, you know when, you know, whenever it's a tag match, you get this moment where the team run in and knock everyone off the apron. Konami mm-hmm. does that, knocks Micah off the apron, knocks Himika off the apron, does not touch Yuri, walks off. Mm-hmm. And it was like... <laughs> Oh, I love that shit. And then there was a moment where Konami, I believe, had Natsupoi in the draping armbar over the over the ropes. So Suri does the same on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it was just that mirror image was just brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And then the pair both got eliminated by Tora. Tora, by the way, who had a really good showing in this, didn't give a yeah. shit who was on the apron, whether it was her own team the you know the other team the referee the audience didn't fucking matter she was eliminating everyone i uh I d- doesn't give a fuck does not give a shit i uh like I say i thoroughly enjoy my favorite part of the match though aside from the chemistry between konami and suri which i can assume we're going to get at budokan um <laughs> which if we do this budokan card is becoming better and better um was Saki Kashima. She's been put away with uh, Natsupoi's German suplex twice in mm-hmm. previous encounters. And she's just about to be hit with it again. And Tora is sat in the corner. And <laughs> she's being deadlifted up for this suplex. Saki Kashima just holds on to Tora's foot. <laughs> it's like, no, no. And gets out of it. And it I don't know why it tickled me so much. But it I'm enjoying Tora's energy. I enjoy Tori's energy of I I'm not I'm not gonna try anymore. I'm just sort of I'm just here for the chaos. She's basically an evil orange Cassidy at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um but yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. It was nice that Saki got the win. Um gives mm. her something nice. I thought it was also quite funny that she was genuinely shocked at being allowed to talk at the end. Um what, me? <laughs> I'm allowed to talk. Yeah, take the mic. Um I gave it three and a quarter. I thought it was great. Um, I give it the same. Really fun match. Um, so let's move on then. So that was night uh, night seven. We now move on to night eight, the final night of the tour at Shinkiba First Ring in front of one hundred and sixty-one people. So again, just another couple of results. Match one saw Saki Kashima defeat Saeeda at six minutes with the Kishikasai. And then match two saw Yutami Hayashishita defeating Lady C and Ruaka at four minutes and 39 seconds with the air raid crash. So let's go straight into match three then, Chris, which was a six-woman tag. The Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Momo, Watanabe, and Sayakamatani defeating the Stars team of Gokiken Death, Meiwewatani, and Starlight Kid at 11 minutes and 59 seconds. Sayakamatani getting the win with the Star Crusher. Um, not a lot to say about this match, Chris, to be perfectly honest. Um, no, but like there was every time tension was built up, Death got back in the ring. <laughs> She is the living, walking icebreaker, isn't she? Yeah. Um, with, I do like... I, I haven't seen the beginning of a death match for a while, um, mostly because um, she's normally on the undercard and on the smaller shows. We only do the top matches. But um, I'm So I was happy to see her here. And I was happy to see the, her doing her thing, going on the ring, and then Momo having none of it. Um, but yeah, this is just so your standard stars versus Queen's Quest match. You've seen one, you've seen them all, really. Um, of 
are the same compliments I have for the work is apply or the same weaknesses apart from Starlight Kid starting to get a bit more aggressive, which was her biggest issue, and that's being patched up. Um, yeah, just it's weird that you have Starlight here, but you can't give her anything to do with Julia in the lead up to their match. It's weird. That's my big issue. That is my that's a huge issue I have, especially once we get to KBS Hall on the eleventh, where none of that show mattered. It was, you know, it was, you know, we use the phrase house show match. It was a house show match. And both women were in, as you'll see when we go back to that show, were in nothing matches. It would have taken nothing to rearrange the card. And I'm, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm completely aware that we are building towards that Julia versus Tam Nakano match. And this could quite easily play into the whole Julia not taking Starlight Kid seriously. But if Stardom are going to book it like a filler defense, we're going to think of it as nothing more than a filler defense. And that's not fair because Starlight Kid has improved massively, like enormously from the start. Well, end of 2019, when I started watching Stardom at that year-end climax show, all the way through to now, Starlight Kid is pretty much unrecognizable. She's more aggressive. She's cleaner. She's quicker. She's crisper. Everything about her has improved. And I think she's fully deserved this title match, but it's been given little to no recognition whatsoever. And to a lesser extent, Azumi versus Suri. And I suppose that's the problem with having these, in inverted commas, big shows in the Corrig- in you know, for Corrigan Hall, just a couple of weeks out from your biggest show ever. Is mm-hmm. it fair to say at Budokan, where you're trying to build that card up to get the fans in, to get, you know, all of the buzz about that show? But even so, you've still got other shows. You still need to build Starlight Kid. And, you know, what's Starlight Kid done in these past few matches? Because she lost here. She lost on the 11th, or she was part of the losing team. She didn't take the pinfall. So... Beat Uraka. Oh, great. So her big her big thing, <laughs> her, on her march towards the white belt, she beat Ruaka in the opener of the sixth in eight minutes and 15 seconds. I just... It was a big, big pee for me over these Raka three shows. Rakan's the, probably the toughest of the children. She's the only one around at the moment. I was just but... going to say, only because he and Arena and Hannon aren't there. Just, yeah, it. the booking didn't make a great deal of sense in that regard. Because, like I say, you'll see when we go through the matches from the 11th, there, there's quite, quite an easy fix. Especially as you're just throwing matches on the card, seemingly willy nilly. Some of these feel like um, when you're like universe mode, book your cat. <laughs> well, we certainly didn't need Coe to tie versus DDM again, did we? Well, they are. They are. But to be fair, though, the, um, they are in a feud going for the tag title. So. Correct. So why not have Himika and one of the other five members of DDM? <laughs> Okay, against B Priestley and Natsukatora, and then have that- Julia and someone against Me- uh, Mayu and Starlight Kid. It's a grand it design, just- RPG. You're just not seeing it in the grand design. Grand design. Okay, let's let's move on. I um, can say grand design, and that forgives all booking folks. That's how wrestling discourse okay. is nowadays. I'm not. I'm not. Forbidden door, Rob. Forbidden door. Oh, fucking forbidden door. Sick I fucking, I'm, I'm so fucking sick of it already. Jesus. And it's all gonna, be, it's also all gonna be shit. Stop getting your hopes up. It's fucking new Japan. Anyway, let's let, let's move on, mate. If I get Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi for the title, I am more. You're than not happy. gonna, you're not gonna get that. 
I will be surprised if even Finduce do anything in their time in Impact. Like, they're, they're literally only going to Impact because they're stuck in America again. And who the fuck watches Strong? Do you watch Strong? No. Nobody watches Strong. Stop lying to me and yourself. You're making the baby Jesus cry. Okay, let's move on. So, that this match, then match three. Um, <laughs> just moving on very, very quickly because I don't want Chris's head explode. Um May and Momo had a brief but great exchange, as you would expect. Same for Azumi and Starlight Kid, who, you know, their chemistry has always been fantastic. Um, but my favourite ma- moment of the match, again, calls, comes from Gokin Death, which, who'd have fucking guessed that? Um, <laughs> what, when, she, when, she, when she was jumping over Momo? Uh, no, but that was also quite funny. That was um, great. My favourite bit was when she calls for the Brain Buster, which she never, ever hits. Instead of going for the Brain Buster, she just rolls Sayakamitani up. I thought that was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> You know, that, that reminded me of, there was a match versus, this is the most random thing it reminded me of, there was a match between Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton at Survivor Series 2007, and the um, Sweet Tune music had been banned for reasons that were never adequately explained, and Shawn teased for Sweet Tune music and then just walked up to Randy and rolled him up. So what you're saying is, <laughs> that Goki Can Death is the Shawn Michaels of stardom. I mean, she she's a showman. Garth probably hates her. Um, <laughs> those are the only two things you need to qualify to be Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, I gave this to three stars. I think I might have been a bit too lenient on it, but no, it was. I, fine. I gave it three. I gave it three as well. I did enjoy. I actively enjoyed this match. There's there's nothing to talk about. It's another no. Queen's Quest versus Stars match. Exactly. Um, semi main then of this show was six woman tag with Donna Del Mondo, Himika, Micah and Suri defeating the Awida Tai team of B Priestley, Konami and Natsukatora by our old friend DQ at I didn't 10 minutes this. and 46 seconds. Well, the DQ made sense to me. Okay, listen to what I've got to say, okay? <laughs> and then tell me your side of it. Okay? So this is word for word what I put. These are my notes for Batum. Sigh. Of course this was ended <laughs> Of course this has ended via DQ. I can't make make <laughs> I can't make any arguments for this now. The chain is gone, but we seem to have just replaced it with a chair. I can't even argue that it's to soften the opponents for the match. It's a week away. Yes, I know I made the same argument for, for Konami, but she's done it once, giving it significantly more impact. Believe it or not, the choice of weapon wasn't my issue with Tora. It's the manner <laughs> of the finish. Now... I understand that you are doing this DQ in order to weaken an opponent ready for the Corican shows, but this was the seventh. Their ta- their title match isn't until the fourteenth, okay? And we've already seen Tora de- DQ'd with the chair so many times since she stopped using the chain. And you showed me elimination match. Just make her this ball. Just this fucking rock that you've got to get past that's what she does best don't just give her a different weapon i mean she fucking hung her again how do you hang someone with a chair just (laughs) stop it because the thing is if this if i thought this was going to be a one-off i'd be significantly more open to it but we've just had what can only be described of eight months of chain hangings so i'm just i'm very, very wary that it's just going to end up being Natsukatora's new kink, and I'm just not into it. Okay, if it, so... If it, was B, if it was B Priestley doing it, 
or Konami doing it, you know, the two people that are in this match, that would make she's it be a little she's bit more sense. She's fully never advertised. She took an executive decision. But she does it all the time for no reason. (laughs) But this time, I had a reason. Yeah, but even a broken clock's right twice a fucking day. Yeah, look at Gaff. Look at your match of the year, Fred. Hey. (laughs) Oh, for fuck. Is this about Osprey and Okada again? (laughs) Fucking get over it, Chris. (laughs) It's a great match. Just because Osprey didn't win, stop being a bitch. Honestly, I'm, I just said that because you're I mean, you're clearly already in a bad mood, and I, and I like messing with you when you're in a bad mood. I'm not in a um, bad mood. I'm, well, I am in a bad you, mood. You you're clearly in a bad mood. I'm gonna uh, okay. So I I do think it actually works in this context. I'm, I I get it's a week away, but also we're talking. This is wrestling. We're, like we're talking about Sting got blood bathed on Monday, and we're still covered with blood on Thursday. So. I can somewhat forgive the it being a week away because if you got hit by really hard in the head by a chair, you'd probably still be reeling for a, a week afterwards. Um, it also helps preserve the champions going into the big match, and also it means no one has to like honestly in this particular case, it's fine. It's not like in the five star where she was hanging people for no reason. Right here, there's an actual reason, and it made sense. And we had the decency to put it ten minutes after a ten minute match, and not after a half an hour match. Okay, then I raise you this. <laughs> they had the show on the eleventh, and Himika was fine. <laughs> well, quite frankly, that is fucking fine. Well, quite frankly, Himika needs to start um start looking at her selling then. Jesus. But in that case, right, <laughs> you have got Himika and Julia versus Tora and B on that show on the 11th. Surely mm-hmm. that would be the better time to do the chair spot. Have an actual match here. And I understand that you don't yeah. want anyone to take the pinfall. But if you don't want anyone to take the pinfall, don't book the match. Okay. Um, what Put if Natsupoy they did, it, did another... What if they hit them so hard? That blood spurts under a big stained glass window and they have to pay for the cleanup. They can't afford that. You are such an idiot. <laughs> You're not even taking this seriously now, man. The... No, it's a fucking. No, I don't know if I'm not taking this particular match too seriously. Um, I didn't you, hate it as much as you did. Do you see my issue with it, though? I can, I can see your issue. Like, it's a valid. It's a, honestly a valid issue, and honestly. I don't think we'd be as mad. Um, you'd be as mad about this if it wasn't for like the last eight months. And I understand that. Um, did you see that thread on Twitter that someone posted about the de- the um Oedetai, um DQs about how there's like, a story about it? Because like I try not to get angry at the DQ itself if it makes sense. And like it makes more sense here than most Oedetai DQs. I'm not actively happy with the DQ. I'm more just neutral towards the DQ. I understand the DQ storyline, and we took. Like I say, we talked about this. I think it was on the tenth anniversary show, where Konami mm. was going after Natsupoi's arm, ready for mm-hmm. this tag match. Mm-hmm. And I think that was roughly a week away. But that was the last time they fought each other. Tora fought Himika less than four days later and didn't do the same thing. Now I understand there was a brawl on the outside, and the match was enjoyable. I'm not shitting on the match, but surely that should have been the time to do the DQ. That should have been the time, and it wasn't even a chair shot, Chris. It was a chair hanging. 
which I'm just, if it was a chair shot to the head, I wouldn't be that bothered, believe it or not, even though I don't condone unprotected chair shots to the head. I do, but replace chairs with light tubes. Oh, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking light tubes. What is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's it's the manner in which it happened. It's the nonsensical booking of it. I understand, like I say, the DQ nature of it, trying to weaken them, ready for the Goddess of Stardom tag title match on the 14th. But they had another match. Himika was fine. Tora didn't try it again, which makes you go, then what was the point in the previous day? And I know it's a road to show, okay? None of this matters, okay? But even so, it irritated me. And I think you're right, Chris. I think the eight months of bollocks that we've had with Tora and the way she's just completely... They're having to rehab her character because she's done that much damage to it with all these DQs. So... She'd done loads of good work in the elimination match. She does really good work, to be fair, on the 11th at KBS Hall. But here, just, it was like, have you learned nothing? Just replacing the chair with the chain. That wasn't what I wanted. When I'm complaining about the chain, I'm not like, hmm, the hardware is the issue. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my issue with it, believe it or not. What if she was using Tom Baker's cigar from Doctor Who? Well, that would be perfect. I I wouldn't moan at all then, obviously. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see. It might just be a one-off thing. If it's a one-off thing, then fine, I'm willing to let it slide. But coming off the back, like you say, of, you know, an entire year of this, it's just, it's like, fuck's sake, just learn. Um, I gave it two stars, Chris. Um, I gave it two and a quarter. I'm willing to concede that. (laughs) Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only bassy part about me is my sneeze. <laughs> um, right, main event then of this show was the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yu Sayaka defeating Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Natsupoi at 17 minutes and 11 seconds. Tam pinning Natsupoi with the Tiger Suplex. Um, Chris, what did you think of this? Good. I liked it. Um... It, it was a tad long, like the last time these two had a match. <laughs> um, like the last tag match, but like, yeah, it was good. I I enjoyed it for what it was, but for what it was, it should have been shorter. I agree. Um, I prefer their tag match um, from a couple of nights earlier in the tour when oh, it was yeah. Julia and Suri. I thought that was fantastic. And this was still good. Um, you had the lovely exchanges between um, Julia and Tam, which I'm never not going to be invested in because Tam is such a good fucking storyteller. I thought um, Yunagi was able to get in a little bit more offense, which is you know a good story to be able to tell because you want her to be making visible progress as the trial series continues. Um, I thought they're not exactly doing the greatest job of posing Natsupoi as a legitimate threat to the high-speed title at the moment because she took the pinfall here. And she seems to be taking the pinfall a lot at the moment. Um, But we'll wait and see what happens there. It's not a major thing for me. Um, I enjoyed the match. I gave it three and a half. Um, I think it was just under what they were able to do before. Um, I I went three. I I did enjoy it. Three and a 
quarter because that's how <laughs> av- that's how averages work. Um, Democracy. <laughs> this ridiculous as it sounds, the match wasn't actually the important thing here. We got a great exchange between Julia and basically on the verge of tears, Tam, um, where Tam basically says, "You know, I would give my blood, my bones, or my hair to get at you." So really drives Tam as this just this desperate hero trying to down Julia. Um, and I think once we get to Budokan for everything that Julia is doing, the way she's treated Yunagi, you know, the stuff coming out of the Corican Hall shows, I think Tam has got to win this. Tam has to win this match at Budokan, you know, assuming that Starlight Kid hasn't taken the belt off Julia. Um, <laughs> which, let's be honest, they are going to do all this. <laughs> then go, actually, Imagine. Starlight. Hermes' <laughs> <laughs> mask. Fucking fuckers. Um, okay. But Tam has to win this, surely. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll get on to that in the questions, won't we? Um, yeah, I imagine. The only thing is, like, Julia has been built so well and so strongly. That... You know what's helping a lot, though, with Julia is her theme? Jesus. It's like fucking a demon descending from... Or descending? Can you descend from hell? We don't actually know where hell is. So you could descend from it. It's like a demon walking on earth. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, it's a proper banger. Proper oh, banger. Pro- now that Reese has been gone for a while, it's probably the best theme in stardom. Well, interesting story. Maze, just- um, throughout Valentine's Day, I um, I was walking, <laughs> obviously, around, and could not get this fucking song out of my head, and I didn't know what it was. And I was like, I don't know any of the words either, so I couldn't Google it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Just clicking on the microphone and just humming. It took me four and a half hours to work out it's Tam Nakano's fucking theme. My (laughs) God. I fucking hate Tam's theme. It's it's the auto-tune. It's the auto-tune I hate. The thing is, how is the auto-tune out of tune? (laughs) Like, how the fuck have they managed that? Do they not know what auto-tune is meant to do? (laughs) Um, anyway, post-match, like I say, we have this signed off. Um, Starlight Kid is thinking the same as the rest of us. Like, um, excuse me, I have a match with you first. What the fuck are you doing? Um, does actually gives a really, really good account of herself. She's strong. She doesn't back down. She looks like a legitimate contender. Um, obviously, unfortunately, it's quite obvious, even without knowing the result, that Starlight Kid isn't winning this, um, which is unfortunate. And the build to her that match fair, has been remember, awful. But... Remember when we said that about Utami before she beat me? I'm like, the they did at least uh, face off. Yeah, true. So, um, but yeah, so overall... saying, remember when we said that the day, like the day after um, Osaka Dream happened? No, Osaka, um, Sendai Cinderella happened. Yeah. Like somehow, I'm so surprised more people didn't laugh at us. Yeah, thank you for not laughing at us. We do appreciate it. <laughs> at least out loud. <laughs> um. Anyway, so last podcast we spoke about um the Stardom invasion of Seedling and how it had set up uh, Momo Watanabe versus Nene Takahashi for the Budokan show, and um, Yoshiko and Mayo had already been signed. So. What was also set up for the 10th of February was a tag team match with uh, Arisa Nakajima and Nene Takahashi taking on Momo Watanabe and Saya Ida, the first time Stardom had stepped foot in a match in Seedling. This all went down 
um, from Seedling Shinkiba Knight from Shinkiba First Ring in front of 200 people. Uh, it was the main event, and Arisa Nakajima and Nene Takashi defeated Momo Watanabe and Sai Ida at 22 minutes and 13 seconds, with Sai Ida taking the pin, as we thought she probably would. Um, now, Chris, I know you were a massive, massive fan of this match, so do you want to talk about it, mate? Oh, this was absolutely fucking fantastic. It's probably the best Sai Ida has ever looked. Like, despite the fact she was getting beaten down for most of it, like, she walked up to Arisa Nakajima through a million fucking el- um, elbows, and then Arisa Nakajima knocked her down with one. It was a time. Momo looked the most motivated she's looked since probably the um, Utami match. Um, Nene's great, hitting people with B-drivers just to annoy Momo. That was great. That was so- <laughs> the dueling <laughs> B-drivers, it was great. She- but what it's like okay we're we're just gonna kick out one for b drivers now okay okay that's the sort of level we're setting here it's fucking fantastic like um i've only seen a handful of nene and arisa matches but they're both fucking fantastic and they worked really well with momo and sire um like stardom wrestlers seem to be at the best right now when they're working with non-stardom wrestlers like when we were working with yeah. people from Marvelous last year, that's probably like that was May's best match. That was um the best tag team match we got all year with the six man and it was the best um Azumi looked apart from maybe against Starlight. So they just work really well with outside talent. Um I still think Sealing have the better track suits, fight me. Um but yeah, it's it's one of those annoying matches where I can't quite explain why I like it because it just fucks. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example which won't make you raise a fucking alarm. Um... <laughs> okay, so like Elia Dragunov versus um, Walter from last year or um, Bandido versus Speedball Mike Bailey. It's one of those matches where you can't explain how it works on like a logical level. It just kind of grabs you and you're in this weird violent zen zone for the duration. Mm. And it's just great, and I I I need more of it. It's pro- it's definitely my tag match of the year so far. There's not been a ton of tag competition this year. Actually, that's a lie. DBT's had some good tag matches. I says Noah. I'm talking out my ass, but um, the match this is just fucking fun. You watched it as well, didn't you? I did. I did watch it. Yes. Um. Did you, and did you watch the rest of the show? I didn't watch the rest of the show. No. Um. I just watched this. Um, it's weird because the high speed division has a dirty ref, um, and I keep forgetting she's a dirty ref, so she keeps like joining in, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, right, yeah. Um, and it, it, the high speed match was actually really fun, and as was the six man because um, Ask is in it, who's in the AEW um, women's tournament, and she's fucking fantastic. Well, ask us last um Vanny. I think that's what she's going by in AEW because otherwise you're going to have like obvious confusion. Yeah, I think it's um, Vanny. Uh, yeah, it was. But let me tell you, when I wanted to get her in uh, um Fire Pro save, that was a fucking time find, find, finding an edit of her. Asker. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, there's just a million of like Asker, Asker. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I, I would recommend the rest of the show. Fingers with Ceiling. I've watched all three of their shows this year and all of them have been. Um, solid um, undercards with incredible tag team main events. Like, all the tag team main events have made onto my match of the year list. This is definitely in my top 
five, possibly top three matches of the year, depending on where the fuck I put um, Kajimito versus Goji Izaki, because I, I still don't know. I still don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to nip this in the bud, because otherwise I'll go on again. But, yeah, but this is definitely, like, the best tag match of this excellent run of tag matches, mostly because I, I'm i already like, invested in Momo and Saya, whereas I'm still in the process of getting invested in Nene and Arisa, so. I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did. Um, it was a very, very, very good match, and I really enjoyed it. I think Sayurida was tremendous, not just in her offense and how she held herself, but also in her selling. She was fantastic. She sold Nene Takahashi like death. It was like she'd been hit by a fucking cannon. It was great. Um, you're absolutely right about Momo. I haven't seen Momo that motivated since, yeah, the Utami match. She was great. She was firing around that wet ring. She was legitimately seen as a badass, and that match between Nene and Momo is going to be fantastic. Um, Arisa Nakajima, we've actually had a question from Velkage on the Discord about what are my feelings on Arisa. Um, I think she's very smooth. Um, she looks to be a very, very, very good wrestler. But again, from the one match that I've seen, I can't give a full account of what I've heard, especially with it being a tag match. I'd have to go out of my way to see some uh, singles matches before I can give a proper, full, fully-fledged opinion. If I can recommend anything, I can recommend her match with Nene Takahashi in 2018, because I've went back and watched some of these. Um, well, basically all her matches with Nene Takahashi I can recommend. She also had a really good one with Asuka in June, I think, of last year. Mm. And also any of the tag team matches from this year. Yeah. But she's had with, against Sari and Yoshiko. Yes. Yes. I've heard that that's very good. But, um, all three of them are really good. But she's with different people. She's either with best friends or Nene. And all oh, proper good stuff. I can't hear best friends without just going bow, dicka, bow, dicka, bow, dicka, best <laughs> I friends. the exact same <laughs> fucking problem. Um, like, how the, um, I assume from now... What did you give this match? <clears throat> I gave it four and a quarter. I gave it four and a half. I liked it a tad bit more than you two. But okay, so we moved on to like the next um, show, talking about like songs getting stuck in your head. Every time Kyoto is said or red i just think of phoebe bridges <laughs> yes yes i get that i get that just before be fair, we do move on though an to incredible KBS. album it is right go on um just sorry just before we move on to kbs um post-match um honori hannah who is a rookie i believe from seedling um challenged yeah, she had a match with um makoto is that how it's said? If it's not how it's said, I'm going to be corrected. Um, earlier in the night. Yes. And it was okay. Um, she is challenged for the Future of Stardom Championship, which is to be confirmed mm-hmm. and is taking place in the Stardom ring. So uh, that could potentially be the Budokan Future of Stardom Championship title defense. We are mm-hmm. yet to see. Um Let's move on then, because I know Chris is desperate to talk about this show. So, the (laughs) final show we are talking about from today is going to be from the 11th of February. Uh, Stardom, we are Stardom Broadcast Start Commemoration. Fucking hell, what a mouthful that is. (laughs) Um, That's very clearly, like, directly um, translated from Japanese with, like, no other... But like no way, like no changing to make it make sense in English. Yeah, it's it's just the celebration of the We Are Stardom TV show. Um, but 
This is from KBS Hall in Kyoto, Japan, in front of 232 people. And Chris, we need to talk about this venue. What oh, it's a beautiful, fucking isn't it? venue. My, um, one of my favourite ever venues. Dragon Gate run it a lot. Stardom's ran it before. Um, New Japan run it, but mostly just for like Fantastic Mania. I was just going to say they Which haven't is... run it for anything big ever. I don't think. Nah, so it's just, well, it's not a big venue. It's just really pretty. Um, Gorgeous. Japan ran it last year. Um, yeah, that fucking massive stained glass window. Like, honestly, it was a bad move having the hard cam on it, although you definitely should have the hard cam on it because it's beautiful. But also, having the hard cam on it meant I was not paying attention to any of these <laughs> matches. <laughs> the way that they opened and it was just the light and the way that they had the stained glass window framed, it was just, it's gorgeous. What a, it's just such a nice venue. I, like I say, I'm only familiar with it through Dragon Gate, um, but I would happily see Stardom run this venue more. And even like people like Julie was like, I am so excited to take, to uh, to wrestle in this venue. So pretty. Like, oh my God, I'm very easy to please and colours is a quick way to my heart. <laughs> and there's, so, there's so many colours and they somehow none of them class, they all go well into each other. And I'm pretty sure it's trying to tell a story, but I don't give a fuck because it's so pretty. Okay, now tell everyone what you told me. Oh, if I was to fuck a building, I'd fuck this building. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't expecting me to go into that quite as confident, did you? No, I just hope it's come across as fucking weird as it did via text. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, like, you look at something like Sandai Pit and it's like, you know what? Nah, I wouldn't. But this building, oh my god, yes, definitely. I, I, I'm very proud of us. Like, we're not those, that kind of people, but we've not um, objectified like any of the wrestlers once in this podcast. But we've managed. I've managed to objectify a building. It's a it's a fit building, to be fair. It it, it is a fucking beautiful building. It is. Um. I anyway, want to treat this building right. Go, go for dinner. <laughs> go home. Have some coffee. A wee nightcap. <laughs> Throw on some Barry White, see where the moment takes us. Looks so good. <laughs> Is that not Barry White? I I can't. I don't have a very bassy voice. <laughs> All right, it it surprises people when they see me because I remember there's a my class um, my classmate after like a big it was, we had like this big presentation in like Perth City Hall, which isn't quite as nice as KBS Hall. Um, uh, last year, and it's the first time like our class actually went out for a drink because we all went out for a drink afterwards. And he was like, "You know what, mate? You look really intimidating until you start to talk." <laughs> I can because I can attest to that. Like my my voice is not an incredibly like if you saw like I'm not sure how many actually if you're on our Discord you have seen my face, but like if you see see my face, it doesn't quite match up with my voice. It doesn't at all. I can't, I can't, I can't do a bassy voice at all. It's, it, it, it's quite, quite frankly, an affliction up there with being Scottish and not having the fucking accent. <laughs> um, so a couple of the results then before we kick into our reviews. Um, singles match: Natsupoi defeats Lady C at seven minutes and twenty-eight seconds. Um, Tam Nakano defeated Ruaka at seven minutes. And then in tag team action, the Donna Del Mondo team of Micah and Suri defeated the Oida Tai team of Konami and Saki Kashima at 10 minutes and 34 seconds. The first match that we're going to talk about, uh, match four, the second match 
of Yunagi Sayaka's seven-match series with Azumi defeating Yunagi Sayaka at nine minutes and 45 seconds with the cross arm breaker. So I've got a couple of, like I said, this is how I'm going to link it to the match with Julia that we talked about. Um, Yunagi got in far more offense here than in Julia, as you would expect. A, Julia is high on the to- higher on the totem pole, and it was her first match against an opponent who had already embarrassed her once. B, she's going to get better throughout the series. Otherwise, what is the fucking point of it, as I said before? And C, Azumi is a completely different competitor with a completely different story with Yunagi than Julia. So, you know, I, I read, I don't know who it was, I read about the lack of selling from Julia and then Azumi giving a lot more. Well, yeah, obviously, because it's a completely different match, completely different competitors. So, and completely different story. You know, they're trying to tell a completely different story. You still had story here. You still had Azumi literally not giving a shit about Yunagi. There was no respect there whatsoever. I mean, the pre-match promo said, we haven't fought before because I've never really seen the point of it. Which is like, ouch, that's harsh. That indicates that they go, they go up to people like before a show and going, hey, who do you want to face? Not Unagi. Well, like, we have a numbering. <laughs> we have like a numbering system. And it's like, sort of like how we decided what bus people went on on school trips. Where, you, like, you put, like, three people you want to be on the bus with and three people you don't want to be on a bus with, and we allocated for a weird point system. Um, that probably wasn't the best analogy I could have made. No, but, certainly not, but it offers a terrifying insight into your real life. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much sure that this was a solid little match, but I was not paying attention at all. Yeah, I was too busy looking at the fucking thing last window. Like, the match looked fine. Like, Unagi didn't pull out anything overly special, but, you know, Azumi can work with basically anyone, and she worked with Unagi well here. Um, She looked a bit better than she did against Julia, but, like, Azumi's slightly further down the totem pole, so that makes sense. Um, Ten minutes might have been a tad long for the style that we're going for. Unagi kept up fairly well. Like, she didn't put too many feet wrong. Um, the venue was very pretty, and yeah, it was it was fine. Despite some rallies from Yunagi and some moments of momentum, you never really thought that Azumi was out of control of the match. And when she felt ready, she ended it. Um, but the crowd again were really hugely behind these Yunagi moments of baby face sort of fighting from underneath and that's what they're doing they're trying to build Yunagi and there was a great visual of Azumi submitting Yunagi as just with Yunagi face on with Tam and basically Tam outstretching her hands towards Yunagi before Anagi eventually taps out to the cross arm breaker it was it was great but Post-match, I mean, you compare the early goings in this match, you've got Azumi basically trying to pin Yunagi with her knees, okay? Because she's got no respect for her, but at the end of this match, Azumi, handshake, respect earned. So that's her respect that she's earned. She's also respected, she's earned the respect of Saeeda at the 10th anniversary show. So we're getting there with the story. Of course, she's not going to have the respect of Julia yet. There's more story there because those two factions are currently in the midst of a storyline. Um, was it anything special? No, I gave it three. Um, still a good match. Don't get me wrong. Like you said, Chris, Yunagi kept up with Azumi pretty well. And Azumi is always nothing but crisp. So I gave it three. What about you? I also gave it three. It was good. It was in a very pretty venue. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Match 5 then saw a tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Himika defeating the Oida tag team of B Priestley and Natsukatora by countout at 10 minutes and 49 seconds. Or, Chris, should I say, Donna Del Mondo team of Julia and Himika defeated the Oida tag team of B Priestley and the idiot with the red eyes, as she was referred to by Himika in the pre-match program. Is that- is that just what you're going to call her for like the rest of time now? Himika seems to think that's fine, so I am now going to call her that. <laughs> Who are you to argue well. with Himika? Because she's taller than you. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> See, I acknowledged it this what? time. Um, but it's yeah. Um, yeah, but, 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 but I can't defend this, this one after. Like, I feel like the count out and the um, DQ should have been switched. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but honestly, this wasn't bad. This was a fun little clusterfuck. Um, basically, yeah, it was a fun little clusterfuck. I like that Himika no longer feels lost in the shuffle. No, I think at least for the next couple of months, I think sort of a tag division is a good place for Himika until yeah, they're I, ready I, to I, push her again. I hope Himika and that boy have a good run from now on. Yeah. Eh? Nope. Not, not going to acknowledge it? Nope. Well, you did by saying nope, but... um, <laughs> This match had, well, these final two matches, in truth, had a really house-showy feel to it, you know, mm-hmm. sort of going through the motions, really. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Him and was made to I'm... look strong um, <laughs> ahead of the tag title match with Micah on the 14th. Um, it's not... This isn't anywhere near as head-scratching as when we had Himika do a right-back squatch. No, no, the two-on-one which handicap is, match, which made no which is, fucking sense. Which was months ago, and I'm still recovering from it. Tora looked pretty good here, I must admit. Um, she didn't yep. get DQ'd, which is always a plus. Um, I think we're in the process of trying to rehab her character, like I said before, so we'll oh, see where the next job. couple of matches go. They've done a good job of it so far. Like she's had one DQ since the Julia match, and that one DQ made sense in my eyes. So I'm 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 fine with Aratai currently. I'm not as militant against them as I was coming out the five star or even tag league. So oh, good stuff. I have nothing else to say about this match. But it was just kind of fun. I enjoyed getting to hear Julia's theme again. It's a good theme. Is it on Spotify? I hope it's on Spotify. I should look. I'll look later. Match six then, and the main event of this show was six-woman tag team match with the Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Hayashishita, Saika Matani, and Momo Watanabe defeating the Stars team of Mei Watani, Starlight Kid, and Saida at 15 minutes and 13 seconds with the German suplex. Though, to be fair, this match could have been longer. Who the fuck knows? Because they seem to have cut half the fucking match out of it. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what was with that cut before the air raid crash? That was weird, wasn't it? Like, if you because um okay, so it's funny because me and Rob have been doing this for a year, and it only dawned on us about um, um earlier this month. No, it dawned on us at the end of last month. It's like why haven't we been going half as in Stardom World this whole time? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so I watch. I'm I'm currently used to glitches because there's always glitches in the full show. Um, uploads which I watch to make sure Rob doesn't get spoiled. Um, and. Yeah, I, but I watched the full show, um, just the match on this one because it, it was I had only this match left to watch, and that was weird, wasn't it? I, 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 we can't review this match like in good faith because we don't have it all there in front of us. 
God like, knows what happened. Honestly, it's, we could we could have had like an Osprey, like we could have had like an Osprey Ricochet exchange between Sire and Starlight. Um, Sirena could have went full Walter. Um, maybe like Superman burst through the gla- this thing glass window, realized it was the wrong building, turned the world backwards. Um, to turn it back in time to when the window wasn't broken, so he didn't have to pay for repairs. Um, maybe Onita came out with his barbed wire bat. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of something more ridiculous. Um, can you think of anything? I was waiting for you to just tie yourself out like a small child. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honestly, Chris, sometimes I just have to let you play and then you'll stop. God, God, did you? It's like you watched Marriage Story like last night, like I did, which is a really good movie and it made me cry. Anyway, um, yeah, so we can't really review this match in good faith. Because we didn't get the full picture. <laughs> you don't mind me of there was a Mayan classic um match with a like a very obvious cut right before the finish. And it's like, damn, what's what was the point? But it, like, even it the, was, even it was like a full on like like full on faded <laughs> transition. It wasn't like, even like it, it was just a cut. It was like when Poochie went home in the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um Oh, Christ, it was weird when it like even Lucha Underground didn't do that, and they had every opportunity to do that. I'm not going to review the action in this match because, again, like Chris said on the previous um, show, if you've seen one Stars vs Queen's Quest match, you've seen them all, especially but on not these smaller one. shows. But not this <laughs> but not one because this one, fucking anything could have <laughs> happened. Um, <laughs> I thought Momo's promo, Sire. Um, so that first bit of Momo just going. So I took the pinfall, so I'm going to beat her up. And then transition <laughs> seamlessly into look at my brand new coat, which was just, it was great. I love that. Um, it was a, it's a good coat, to be fair. It is a nice By coat. By the way, we, we, we didn't bring this up. Did you notice in Nagi's belt? In, like, the previous match? Like, she, she had, like, cow be, belt on her. She does seem to be having more Is she a Morris stuff. dancer now? Yes, that is a gimmick. She is a golden samurai Morris dancer. <laughs> what a sentence. I, she's not a sentence adding, I thought I'd be saying, I'll be honest. She's just going to keep adding like weird things from a bygone era to her. Like, is she like going to come out next week in like disco flares? Um, <laughs> like, why, I know why she's going to come... Why was that the first thing you went to? So we've got samurai and disco. Why did you instantly go for the 70s and disco there? Um, Dance Dance Revolution. Samurai. The song Samurai from Dance Dance Revolution. Like, uh, never mind. It, it was a poorly thought out joke because you put me on the spot. Um, she's going to come out in like a Matrix leather coat. Um, she's going to be listening to fucking Blink-182 like, like Chris, a nerd. Chris. So... Chris. Chris. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Is it because I insulted Blink-182? Um, post-match was the best bit of this match um, because you've got Queen's Quest obviously having won the main event and... Utami attempts to take Sai's hand, as she has done with Momo, to raise the hands because they won. Sai Kamatani completely blanks her, refuses to hold her hand, puts her hand behind her back. And you think, oh shit, okay, a little bit of a uh, little bit of um sort of unrest between Queen's Quest. But then Utami goes full dickhead um by going to give her the mic to speak, and then as Sai goes to take it, snatches it back off her and starts talking again, ending the show. So she gets her revenge. Um I gave it three, Chris. It was it, it was there. It was good for what we know. Anything could have happened, as Chris has gone into a lot of detail about. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, I gave it three, mate. What about you? Um, I didn't give it anything. It's not a full match. It's unfair to rate <laughs> it. Fair enough. Right, anyway, so let's have a look at some of your questions. We've got quite a few today, Chris, so we'll go through them. First, going first on Twitter, uh, starting with at loan underscore Sabre. So there's two questions here. Um, the first one, hello, guys, couple of considerations. After the last few shows, I'm really struggling in getting behind Julia. She's doing a really good job in making people hate her. DDM in general don't look like such a heelish faction, so I don't understand why pushing Julia that way. And then... So following on from that, the second consideration is about Azumi. Uh, I'm really impressed by her performances, and in the last shows, I'm seeing more great, uh, seeing more great improvements. Do you think we can dream to see a much stronger push outside the high speed division? And for DDM and Julia, what do you think about them? So basically, Chris, DDM and Julia, what are your thoughts? And Azumi. Uh, Julia, I'm liking the current thing of shooting on everyone and everything. It's amazing. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's a weird transition, but uh, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> it's definitely a choice. But it is. Yeah, it's... I, I, I have, I'm, I've had the opposite thing, where I've went, I've went from being completely, not hostile, but not happy with Julia's push to actively looking forward to seeing seeing it. Not, not necessarily because of her in-ring stuff, but like because of her charisma, because of everything else, like she still needs the right person to go with. In that sense, she's... I'm trying to make a comparison, but if I said Okada, I'll be shouted at. Um, but yeah, I, I have an opposite problem. I'm completely behind Julia now, which is weird, considering where I was around this time last year. Like, it's a fairly quick turnaround there. Um, in terms of Azumi, I think high speed's good for her right now. High speed, I think, would be a good jumping off point for her. Mm. I think she did. I I want to see her see how she do in a bigger title match in within that format. Because while she does have some bombs, she like she doesn't really have the current the move set that would you'd imagine you could see in the world title scene. But also, you don't need that. But like, if you want her to be a champion in the future, maybe develop some more big bombs. But yeah, yeah. I definitely see Azumi going big places in the next few years but like i think what we forget about azumi because she's been there for years is that she's fucking super young she's 18 like and i know yeah no that's thing we say that about everyone on this roster but she's fucking 18 so i i have complete faith that she'll if she doesn't decide to leave early um that she'll do great things in stardom um agree about azumi um I think we've got we've got a lot of time with Azumi. Um, you know, again, consider, hoping she doesn't leave. Um, but you think Mayu started in the high speed division and then transitioned into being one of the greatest wrestlers in Stardom history. So you know, you could sort of look at that for Azumi at the moment. She has got a very high speed specific style, um, which if she is transitioning into consistently fighting for the white belt, the red belt, or even the SWA in its current form. Um, I think she's got to develop a more hard-hitting offense, which is what Starlight Kid is doing um, at the moment. And I'm sure we'll see Azumi doing over the next couple of months, you know, 18 months. I think she is tremendous in ring and always have done. So I'd love to see more Azumi, but just not yet. I think give her a bit of time, let her have this monster run with the 
high speed belt, build her up, build her up, and then maybe have her win the Cinderella in 2022 or something like that to give her an opportunity at a higher belt. I mean, she might be a defense later on. I mean, she is the only member apart from Hina of Queen's Quest that Utami won't have defended the belt against. So it might be coming. Who knows? As for DDM and Julia, I quite like the disparity between Julia being this massive heel, and and it's an obvious heel thing now, um, as opposed to the rest of DDM who are considerably more tweener. Um, You look at Suri, who, you know, during one of these pre-match promos was singing along to Jingle Bells. Um, So we've talked a little bit, and this is my own personal theory, we've talked a lot about how People like Asuri are going to come out of the shadow of Julia. Maybe it's Julia's arrogance and the way she's going about things that eventually leads to the dissolution of Donna Del Mondo. Who knows? Maybe they're going to come out of um, Budokan with all the gold and then eventually just Julia's heelish antics, her general egotistical nature... Maybe that takes over. You see people like Suri becoming more and more and more disenfranchised with it. And maybe that's how we get that Suri and Momo faction and Konami. Who knows? Maybe I'm a dreamer. But uh, I think at the moment, I love Julia's stuff. I think it's layered with story. I think she did a tremendous job getting Yunagi over, even though on first glance it doesn't look like it. It just looks like she's trying to bury her. But... It's not that. It's a deeper story than that. I think if Tam takes the white belt off her at Budokan, then that's going to be one of the biggest pops because of how well and how how long the storyline between Tam and Julia has been going, but also how well they've managed to reignite it. Because this is a feud, ultimately, that has been dead since, what, Yokohama Cinderella in October. <laughs> so, you know, to reignite it and to reignite it in the way they have done, I think is tremendous. Um, but I can see why some people are finding it hard to sort of cage the heelish nature of Julia at the moment. Um, I think she's doing it really well. I think she's doing it really well. But I do think that there could be a moment where these heelish antics could be the undoing of DDM. Who knows? Can I make a strange comparison? Even if I say no, Chris, you're going to make a strange <laughs> comparison. So yes, go on. What's a strange comparison? It's a bit like, it's a bit like Sting in Lex Luger. What? <laughs> like, one is obviously here, one's obviously not, but they're friends anyway. Maybe. I mean, didn't Lex Luger turn on Sting? Didn't Sting have a history of everyone turning on him? Yeah, because Sting is really... he, he he's, in, he's been in some toxic relationships, he's not good at swatting them early, and then he's too ready to trust again. Um. Anyway, moving on <laughs> to the next question. Um. We've had a couple of questions, actually, regarding this. Um, so at a Randy Sally, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, on Twitter has put, what would change if Stardom were to broadcast live? I think this is a huge issue. And then later on, we've had a conversation. Duh, 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 duh. Um, here we go. Crazy Pete 315 on Discord. Question I have is, should Stardom take next step in production now and start streaming live shows and even commentary on world like New Japan? Um Chris, I'm going to answer first, if that's all right, just for this. I think we are going to see Stardom Broadcasting Live soon. Um, it, it is the next natural step. Um, the difficulty is, is it's a completely different setup to stream shows than to record shows. Um, we had that with the, was it the Super J Cup, where venue in America 
didn't have the capacity to stream shows. It didn't have something there. So it meant that we couldn't stream it live. So you've got to make sure all the venues are able to do it. Um, you've got to make sure you have the right stuff. And I think it is going to be a case of sooner rather than later. I think we are going to get Stardom shows streamed in full. It's certainly something that would make this podcast a damn sight easier. Um, but I think it is. I don't think it's a huge issue. At the moment, it does make avoiding spoilers quite difficult, and I think that's a huge issue, especially for Western audiences. Um, as for commentary, for newer fans, I can understand the lack of commentary, especially if you're used to something like a New Japan. The lack of commentary. You had that problem, didn't you? I yeah, I would when you first one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's actually a massive reason as to why I didn't watch a lot of New uh, of All Japan. Because the show that I watched didn't have any commentary. And I was like, uh, that's. I'm not sure if I'm okay with this. But the more I've watched Stardom, I actually prefer the lack of commentary. And the reason I prefer the lack of commentary is because the st- I like to be left to my own devices to when, you know, to the things that are going on, to the stories being told. And sometimes with commentary teams, you get that story thrust down your throat. You know, you are told it over and over and over again. There's no there's no way to infer it in your own way. There's no way to take it in your own way. Whereas without commentary, it's all on you. You look at the story. You come up with the story. And, you know, stardom wrestlers are very, very good at coming up with those stories that you are able to watch. And I think, I'm not saying that commentary is a bad idea at all, um, especially if you're looking to get newer Western fans. I think it's a step that they're going to have to take. Um, but personally, it doesn't bother me anymore. Um, the one thing about streaming is we get the promos, um, translated into English because they've been recorded. I like that. If they were to stream it, we're not going to have that. So that's just something to bear in mind as well. Um, Chris, what about you? Um, in terms of accessibility, it's a, it's a weird one. So, problem is with a lot of English commentary of Japanese wrestling is that it's not very good, and uh, that's because they can't afford, uh, unlike apart with the exception of New Japan, who can't af- who can who can afford a uh, professional English team, and for some reason pick um, Kevin Kelly. Um, but. Problem is, a lot of time English commentary can get things wrong. We're trying too hard to like be a bit, like, to be over the top because that's how fans are used to it. In terms of stardom, I think the balance they have for access for like English accessibility is perfect because um, the lack of commentary isn't it has never been an issue for me when I first got into stardom. Um, I thought it would be, but like as soon as as I got into the stories, it's like, nah, it's not a issue at all. I think commentary is just a thing of you expect it and therefore it's weird not to be there. But for after a while, you don't mind. Like Because uh, we've had commentary on big shows and it's been fine. But like again, like you said, when shows were streamed, um, we didn't get the promos. And for us for us hosting this podcast with Barton on like, the stories, that was a massive pain in the ass and like it's annoying as well like because you want to know what the story's going on but you just sort of sit there seeing people talk in a language you don't understand because they're not going to talk um so like the i i 
you can't. I don't want them to go live at the expense of everything else. But also, about to they did went live, we'd have to bring in some like English commentary if we want to keep up that instant um, gratification in terms of not having to look up a promo afterwards. I don't think I I don't think they need it. Um, going live, they're already doing that, but they're not doing that on Welt. It's strange. It's an ans- like it's because like on one hand you can see why it's necessary, but also as things are like because there's levels to like puro accessibility. Like New Japan, like objectively is like the most accessible puro because like you have English commentary on basically every show. Yeah, everything's live. Everything like with the exception of like three shows in like 2019, everything's on World. So that's like the easiest, and then you go one down to like um, Stardom, which is the promos are in English, but everything else you last your own devices. But they still, but like you said, they give you everything you need, and it makes it easier for people like us who kind of end up speculating a lot and thinking, oh, did they put in this little nigger as a um, reference to this? It's nice to talk about that instead of New Japan, where they sort of just throw it in your face. But then, like, go one down, you have something like. Um, DDT and TJP, where nothing is translated on the show, but um, there's a there's like Twitter threads where people translate the whole show. So I don't know. It's like honestly, I think in terms of accessibility right now, Stardom is fine. It's sort of shown by like how many, how popular they are outside of um, Japan. So I don't think I don't think it's necessary because because if it his thing, I I would support it if they managed to do it well, but seeing how like because I think of like English commentary on Japanese com on Japanese wrestling, I can't think of many examples where I actively like it. There's times like with Noah where I don't hate it, and that's sort of the best you can ask for. Like for my, I can see why they'd want to do it, but for my own personal enjoyment, I think it would tarnish it a little bit. I think it's probably inevitable that it's going to happen. I mean, if you look what Kidani said about the dream or the the ambition is to run a dome in Mm. 2025, you've got to draw a lot more eyes to the product. And that includes... Yeah, you can just do do that within Japan. You look at, like, Rasa Kingdom. um, People are traveling to... Exactly. Exactly. Japan just to see Rasa Kingdom. So, yeah, it, it would be really cool. And like it would if they did it well, I I none of my complaints really matter. But the problem is, the biggest company in Japan hasn't done it well, for my money. See, I disagree. I I think New Japan have done it well. I think they've done Chris it. Chris Charlton's great. If they got Chris Charlton, I'd be com- if they managed to poach Chris Charlton, I'd be completely on board. But uh, we are available to doing us commentary, by the way. Oh, um, imagine if we fucking got that, we'd be fired so fast. I don't think we'd even get onto one show, mate. To be perfectly no, honest, no, we, we'd get we'd get here. I'd say cunt. They'd just stare at me and like we'd be, it, like chop cut to like us walking out of Corican Hall with our bags going. <laughs> well, that went about as well as expected. Um, I think the production aspect of it actually. I mean, you look at the production aspect of um, Osaka Dream. That was oh, that amazing. Was that was beautiful. Like, that, like we speculate. Like, did we have? Has that been confirmed that we had New Japan people, or is that, or is that just speculation? Because I think that's speculation. Honestly, honestly, it's speculation I made. I don't know why I even tried to put it like there was any official <laughs> sources. But like, it was like the production of like a New Japan show, which is like 
probably one of New Japan's strongest aspects, their production values. So, yeah, the fact that they can run... Like, you look at, say, the Noah show of this last... or from the other day, and despite the fact that they were literally in the fucking Budokan, they clearly weren't shooting like they were in a big venue. They were still, like, doing close-ups to sort of hide the crowd. Mm. Whereas with the big Sardom shows, they've managed to shoot it absolutely perfectly. Like, they know... They, they've thought about... Thought of it through. In terms of, like, production values... It's perfect, uh, but it's just a case of would commentary add to it? Because like I don't know any Stardom fan who like uh, who after like a show or two, um, even like notices for lack of commentary. I think at the moment, especially with the lack of crowd chanting, the lack of commentary has become a little bit more prominent. Um, I guess, but for me, it it doesn't bother me. I think the production well, is, if... even even since we've been doing this podcast, the production. You look at the graphics, so now we get updated graphics at the start of every wrestler's entrance we get updated graphics at the end post match you know so that side of it i think is absolutely fine maybe the camera work could be done could be updated um like i said just to tie this off because we've been talking about this for a while i think eventually full streams of the shows on the day are going to be inevitable maybe they'll just do the corricans to start off with um but I imagine if Stardom are projecting to run a dome in 2025, you're going to have to ultimately stream it live, update production slightly. Um, we'll see about commentary. We'll see. Um, because I know it is a sticking point for fans who haven't watched it. So. We'll We've see. been experimenting with live streaming, but I think the thing with that, I think it's a fairly good idea to have the stream off world and then put it basically immediately onto world. I think that's a good way of doing it because it yeah. means we can use third parties like um and like TV networks, which will streamline the process for them quite a lot. I think that's a decent model for now. Or if the worst, just stream it, put it straight on World, and then do what they're doing with the matches, it, the individual matches, put the show up straight away, complete with none of the translations. Then mm-hmm. with the, do what they're doing with the matches now, the individual matches now, put them up mm-hmm. you know, a couple of days afterwards with the translations on. Then we've already seen the show and we're just waiting for the translations. That, that in my mind, would be better. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the first step. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Niagara Driver... Uh, I was meant to ask this last week, but figured it still applies. What are your general thoughts on the SWA belt? Feels like they've successfully turned it into a third major belt in a short amount of time. Um, I agree. Um, I think it helps that it's been given prominence at the top of a card. You know, you had that match with Momo at the top of the show on the 30th. Um, I think it helps who is champion because this belt, unfortunately, is hamstrung by its rule set, um, which means that if you do give it to someone who is of Japanese descent, they can only defend it against Gaijins or, you know, people with... I mean, at the moment, we've got Suri, who is tremendous. She's a great in-ring competitor, which means that inherently the matches are great. Um, She can also defend it against pretty much anyone, which is great. It's effectively another belt, which is great because it is at the moment like a third belt. It's like a never title in New Japan, which is great, which is what it should be, in my opinion. The problem comes then when you think, well, who is going to take it off Suri? 
Because if it is someone like, I don't know, just picking a name at random, Konami. Okay, if Konami does take that belt, who can Konami... Who can Konami defend it against? Julia. Potentially. Because she's got Italian heritage. Um, oh, B. Priestley, like, who is in... With, with Shuri, yeah. Or B. Priestley, who's in her own faction. So, it does depend. Unless you change the rule set, which sort of just makes it another belt. Yeah. It's still going to be hamstrung by who is the champion. At the moment, we are in a very privileged situation because we've got someone who can defend it against anyone. So we don't feel that that uh, that rule set is, is damaging. But it Honestly, will I'd, keep it on, I'd keep it on Shuri until things are opened up again because um, Stardom pre-lockdown um, has like a revolving door of outside talent. Mm. Like, um, on the British side, um, that's only diminished now because we've got like Cyberbrook side and all that uh, signed. Like, Cyberbrook's like Handy Force, they can appear, but like, we had a few people come in and out from the Australian scene. Um, I think we even had, like, there's, they even had people from like the American scene come in and out. So, um, once it comes, um, that comes back, that'll be grand. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is, at that point, it depends on the quality of hand being brought in, because I think that's what sort of brought it down before you have people like Zoe Lucas going for it. And that's no disrespect to Zoe Lucas, but she's not the same calibre as Momo Watanabe, is she? No, that's the thing. Um, so, like, right now, it's being put up against um, high-calibre talent by necessity. Exactly. exactly. Um, so, it, it could be really good. It just depends on how it's booked afterwards, because, like, again, basically... Because uh, basically, uh, everyone in Sardom right now is of a certain level. It's just a case of when that starts open up to the revolving door, is that certain level going to keep up? Are we going to be part of that forbidden door, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> I would... I, I, I'm so I'm like I keep making jokes about it, but it's only through pain. I, I'm so sick of it already. Okay, <laughs> I, I basically give my thoughts that like I I am really enjoying the SWA stuff, but, but that's mostly because we get loads of Shuri singles matches, which is never a bad thing. No, agreed, agreed. Like it's sort of like how um whenever that was on Tanahashi, and as long as they don't make him go half an hour every fucking time, that's going to be great. Seeing more singles ta- Tanahashi, so. It's gonna. I think until the belt has is like everything back to normal and the belt settles down, we can't really say. But like for now, it's gonna be really enjoyable because of the extenuating circumstances. It's basically the only thing that's bit, that can be raised up right now in lockdown. Velkage Bracker has said in our Discord, somewhat more fitting stardom question because we are living in a world where bald people rule the wrestling world. <laughs> When is bald Julia winning the red belt? Obviously, assuming oh, bro. that she's... Um... Bro. Go on. Bald Julia, it's going to be like fucking Stone Cold in the 90s, right? going to be fucking stunning everyone. It's going to be fucking fantastic. Um, everyone's going to be dropped from their head. Fucking jobbers. The rest of the star, um, stardom roster, jobbers next to bald Julia. She she needs to lose her hair, and then she's on the next level. It's going to be a faction. Janakiyama, Keiji Muto, and Julia are going to take over all the belts. All the fucking belts. It's going to be fucking fantastic. Have, have you ever watched Freedoms? Well, you are now, because fucking Julia's going to go over there, have a death match with someone, and take their championship. You happy now? <laughs> then we're going to go to America. Ring of Honor, you're not safe. Jonathan Gresham, you fucking lovely person. You're about... To, I, can't, I can't insult Gresham as hard as I try. I love him. Um, but you're going to lose your pure championship to one of the baldies. And then we're going to jump over 
to Britain. Progress? Fuck you, Progress. Your championship is now on fucking one of the baldies. We're taking over the world, Robert. Do a stardom cast, Rob. It'd be really fun. <laughs> you, you, no, fuck you. you. You're the one who suggested this podcast to me, right? Don't you start like you didn't pitch this podcast to me. Good luck finding the evidence. Um, <laughs> I, I do think Julie will probably be the next champion. Um, like I said, I think Julie will end up dropping the Y belt to Tam. I think the story, the natural storyline progression is for that to happen. Um, as for when does Julia take it... I mean, does Julie win the five-star this year? There's very high probability she'll win the five-star this year. Sweep sweep the block, because... Um, and yet maybe... it. I mean, it depends where they're running. I imagine Julie winning it will headline a big venue, so maybe um, Yokohama again, something like that. Sendai. Sendai with their lack of crowd. Um... I'd, I think it'll be towards the end of this year. Um, but it, it, it is going to happen. Um, my, for me, I'm I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I think she wins the five-star and wins it after that. What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, she's going to sweep the five-star. Everyone else, jobbers. Why did you expect any other answer? With the way that question started, did you expect any other answer? No. (laughs) Last two questions then. No, no, shut up, I don't care. No. No, Chris. (laughs) Stay. Be quiet now, my gentleman. What were you going to say? What are you thinking of the old, bold revolution in Japan right now? What's your Naki armor in Keiji Muto? Um, yeah. If... To be fair, you don't like DDT to begin with. So. No, I have. I have literally no thoughts on uh, Akiyama. Um, Muto. It depends. If if Muto then drops it to Kiy- uh, Kiyomaya, then I suppose there's a transition there, so it works. But if well, if, if it's just going to be, have you seen he just signed a two year contract? Um, Muto. Muto. Two he's years. Gonna, he's going to hold it for twenty four months, mate. <laughs> Yeah, and he's going to drop it to Inamora, and that big Scottish guy on no English commentary is going to be fucking pleased. Um, Pippo then has asked in our Discord, I have a question. Who will stop DDM dominance? Um, how could this faction be put down off their respective thrones? Now, Chris, without mentioning the word fucking bald. Um... <laughs> okay, I won't say that word. Chromium Julia is going to put them out their misery. The, you you only specified one word and I didn't say it once. Go on. How do you think? Who do you think is going to put DDM down? Because eventually they are. At the moment, it's looking like they're going to hold all the gold. So um, what? Who dethrone? I mean, I've already outlined what I think is going to happen. I think Tam is going to dethrone Julia, and then eventually it will all fall. Um, as we've said about the SWA, you've got to be careful with the SWA because it depends who you put it on. Mm-hmm. Um. Because basically the only viable people right now are Julia, who's above the belt, and B, who I don't think a B-Rain would be anywhere near as revered as a Shiri-Rain. Even if B was having as good matches, people aren't big on her. Well, we'll just point out as well, Chris, that she has only just... She was the champion before Suri. Yeah. So, um, But she didn't hold it very long, did she? No, 
No, she didn't stalk. Like it was, a, it was a surprise when she drafted the Shiri. It was, it was, and then Shiri changed the rules. So it was like, oh, all right then, fair enough. Didn't realize. Well, she didn't that. change the rules. She just bent from into an inch of her life, <laughs> which is fine. I am okay she, with that. I, I'm technically from the Philippines, um, Rossi. <laughs> um, I do think that Julia's arrogance and Julia's increasingly heel persona will lead to the collapse of DDM. Um, I think. Yeah, again, Tom Don Julia is going to put out my misery. Yeah, and um, I think Suri will end up with her own faction at some point because you you do want to highlight Suri, and mm-hmm. I think with her own faction that's easier. Um, get her out of the spot, the shadow of Julia, because let's be honest, Julia is a bona fide star. She's going to be a red belt champion. She's going to be a long reigning red belt champion because stardom are massive on her. So if you want to be out of that shadow, you need to be out of a faction. So maybe. The arrogance, the egotism. Maybe that's how DDM falls. Maybe that's how Suri ends up with Momo in her own faction. Who knows? Um, but at the moment, I don't see anyone really knocking uh, knocking DDM off the perch. Because even if Tam does win the white belt, um, Julie will go on to the red belt after the five star. So, hmm, there you go. <laughs> Final question. I'm really, really impressed. I'm really intrigued with what you're going to say with this. Um, right. I tried this before we came on air. So, Ryanosaurus Rex. Yeah, I think I got that. Um, Beautiful name. Beautiful. I, I, I don't know you very well. I basically just know you from limited interactions in our Discord, but I, I love you for the name. Uh, he Big says, shout out to the homeboy. Add one WWE wrestler who has not wrestled for Stardom before and book them three matches in Stardom based on current standings. No champions, just to make it juicier. So, how many How many did you say you'd come up with, Chris? Um, I've came up with three. I initially came up with four when I remembered that Asuka's currently a champion. <laughs> um, okay, I've got two. Two definites and then one maybe. So, if you go first with one... I'll go for another one. We'll alternate. So do you want to go first with your first one? Okay, I'm going to go from, like, ludicrous to actually going to be well-received. Because, like, here's the thing. If a WWE wrestler came into stardom and suddenly started doing well, people are going to bitch. True. (laughs) This is unavoidable. So I went from most ridiculous to annoy people to something actually tasteful and good. So... (laughs) Okay, so Becky Lynch is going to come in. And her and Julia are just going to be shooting on each other for months without either of them ever having a match. And then they have a trilogy at the end of the year. And there'll be death matches. So you're just going to copy the Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch thing? Um, yes, except better, because we'll have light tubes. Okay. Okay. Do you know what? Just get all yours out of the way, because otherwise, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so... How do you feel about... Your friend and mine, Charlotte Flair, coming to Sodom. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll about sums up what I think of that. Um. Okay, so here's the thing: she's not a bad wrestler, and she has stage presence, and she has a name to her, and people hate her. So we need to put all of that into one. So we put her, bring her in, and do a Vader and Noki, but with May. 
Right. So so she so she comes in after Mayu's had an incredible match, let's say against Goga and Death, and then she's going to challenge her to a match. Mayu, being prideful but also very stupid, um, is going to accept that match, and then. Um, she is go- going to be completely destroyed because she just had a half an hour classic with Goku and Death. And then after that, Charlotte Flair will leave. She'll, she'll not be seen. It will be a weird enigma that not everyone's quite sure has happened. It's going to be like when Jungle just randomly attacked him at uh, um, Hazuki during her retirement. Um, and then she's going to come back and win, beat May for the belt. And then go away <laughs> And then come back and May will be here. Okay, and the next one. Oh, the next one you actually like. So Candice LeRae. Um who I've, how, Fuck, she was I was on leg- mine. <laughs> I, I was legitimately surprised she'd never I was like, how so she was I. Had, I like um how she she hasn't by the looks of things, she hasn't even been to Japan. I'm honestly surprised. No, she's done um, DDT and she's done uh, oh, some done Tokyo Joshi. Okay. Um, I basically, I'd have her in a pro in the high speed division, to be honest. Like, on, on, like, because she's not quite got. Um, she's got the bombs to be in the main event, but like, I don't think she quite has the presence. So I think putting her in the high speed would be perfect for her going up against like Izumi and um Star and Starlight and Natsupo and stuff like that. Um, and then she can work her way up. I think it, when she's face, she'd be a decent fit for stars. And when she's not tween, she'd be a decent fit for like Queen's Quest, who, who both need some more numbers right now. Um, and it, it would just be like fun high speed match. I like I have no story in mind really. She just I honestly just book her in the high speed division because it's a good place to start her, so you can build her up in stardom. People won't be annoyed because um, it's a She's a good wrestler in um, a division that matters, but isn't like the top top. You're not pushing her to the stars for no reason. And then you can like, if you want her in bigger programs, when you get to the five star, you can put her, you can have her do well, have her pin a couple champions because it's super non-committal pinning a champion of a five star. So you can dip your toes into what how people will receive that. And if it's received well, you can start pushing up the card because she is a very good wrestler. To be fair, can't fault that. Because that was well, that was one of mine. So I actually had four. Cause I just, <laughs> found, just found my notes. Uh, Candice Lorray was one of them. Um, so I'm going to do what you did. Like the not the stupidest, but one that everyone's going to be like, "What are you talking about?" So the third one, Naomi. Huh. <laughs> it won't be the weirdest um, to ever happen and start coming to stardom. I mean, Brandy Rhodes has had true. And to be fair, Naomi isn't. She's very athletic. She's just not very good at structuring a match. Well, that's the which... thing. Like, she doesn't have to have serious matches in Stardom. No. She could quite easily just have, you know, a <laughs> nice, fun little match. Yeah. Come on. A Go King Death and Naomi tag team in Tag League. That'd be fucking that would, great. That'd be so colourful. Exa- oh, my God. Imagine that entrance in Japan. Like, oh, my like, God. Like, they'd be like Dion Green and Clown Colours. Just fucking. <laughs> um. Rhea Ripley. Um, Has she not been a star? That honestly surprises me. I don't think so. I don't think Rhea so. Ripley. Please check before I carry on. <laughs> and then you'll edit out this part of the pod. Did you not check beforehand? I didn't check Rhea Ripley. I checked the others. 
Um, okay, cage match. Um, career. Let's have a look. She has not. She actually, I don't think she's. Oh no, she she's been in zero one. She and Sendai girls. Zero zero one is so fucking random. What? <laughs> so if you imagine Rhea Ripley as the head of a tie and then having huge hoss matches against the likes of Utami, against Jungle, Himika, Micah, you know, just having big bomb fests. They'd be great. Plus, she's a perfect fit for a Weedatai. A big bruiser that effectively would make the entire outfit more legitimate. That That's my thinking with Rhea Ripley. Um, and then, are you ready for this one, Chris? Uh-huh. Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, huh? Um, she is undefeated. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Donna Del Mondo. Um, <laughs> I think she'd be a perfect fit because not only is she improving at a crazy rate in ring, she's also super talented. She's great at telling stories. She's emotional. You can feel the emotion in all her matches. And she would put on tremendous matches with anyone in ring because she's quick she can do the whole power game you know you've seen her lifting otis on smackdown and all that bollocks i have um, <laughs> and she's quick she, she did that yeah it's quite impressive isn't it <laughs> no way i don't believe you yeah it's it fucking impressive she is she is well struck she's hella strong um but yeah that's what i do um i'd have bianca belair in there and have her just have great matches with the likes of uh, i think she'd have a great match with julia i think she'd have a great match with mayu um and i think she'd have a great match with momo watanabe so i think any of those to be perfectly honest apart from charlotte flair and becky lynch um why are the two biggest stars your biggest problems here well, I was going to say Sasha Banks, then remember she was champion. Yeah, um, to be honest, I was about to say I'm surprised you didn't say Sasha Banks, but she's champion. Isn't she? She's champion. To be fair, she? I think like her versus May, like two people who have no regard for their own neck. Yes, no, agreed, agreed. You know um, what they should have? So once they had in all Japan, someone was dressing up as someone from Virtua Fighter. Um, they should have Sasha Banks come out, but she is her character from Mandalorian. Okay. <laughs> a bit of extra money going to Adam's way with that, Dis- that Disney money. Sweet Disney merch. <laughs> yeah, that, Dis- that street Disney merch opportunity. Um, you can run a promotion um, free, um, a month free of Stardom mode if you sign up for, for Disney+. Plus. No, have Stardom mode on Disney+. Plus. Oh, mate. Perfect. Okay, let's let's hold the podcast <laughs> there because I think Chris needs to go and go to sleep. Or... Disney Championship Wrestling. This is what happened. Like this is what happens when I drink coffee instead of beer on the podcast. This is your fault for having it early in the day. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts: um, Spotify, Podbean, Apple, Google Play. We are literally everywhere. Please leave us a comment and a five star review. It really does help the podcast out. Um, we have merch, so please go and buy or look at some merch. Just go and look at it. We don't even want you. Well, we do want you to buy it. We don't feel. <laughs> we don't feel don't feel we have no personal stake in this. Exactly. Don't feel like you need to buy it. Just go and have a look. Got, Maybe buy some Rob if you like it. And- Rob got bored and locked down and designed some shirts. It's basically the announcement here. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
go and check out the website www.podmania.co.uk um, you can find us on twitter at at the stardom cast uh, be sure to join the discord it is a friendly friendly atmosphere with lots of joshi talk so please go and join that um, you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin chris where can they find you um Matt, fuck um at chris loves pure there we go at chris loves pure normally when i say my um twitter is in the scripts <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening guys we will be back at our usual time on sunday reviewing both of the valentine's day weekend shows until then we'll talk to you guys again soon 